Hosting for your tech life. Proudly provided by Web Central. Yeah, it is. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs Woo! and the internet. Information you want, want, all the help you need. Your tech life with Trevor Long. Well, can you tell I'm excited to be back in your ears? Right there, shooting into your ear canal thanks to those little earbuds you're wearing. Or, obviously, I'm, I'm with you in the car, talking around you because... There's speakers everywhere. Hello and welcome to episode 290 of Your Tech Life. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology. Tell you more about them and one of their cool products in a moment. And uh, appreciate you uh, thinking of Garmin, the front of mind, when you're thinking uh, fitness or GPS or whatever style products they are. Because, hey, they support this show so you don't have to pay me anything. I don't, I'm not going to send you an invoice for listening. Um, I did take last week off. I hinted in episode 289 that I might not be back the week later. And you know what? I had a great four and a half, five days with the kids, cruising around, driving around. But for anyone who's a parent, uh, just to be clear, my wife stayed home. Uh, I was exhausted. (laughs) Five days with three kids, uh, mentally exhausted. Not physically, really, but mentally exhausted. So when I came home, I went to bed. So uh, I didn't want to record that night. So I hope you... uh, uh, allow me that indulgence, and uh, we're back and running, and my goodness, what a cracker. The board is full of calls. We're going to talk NBM, we're going to talk computers, routers, Gmail, domain names, Wi-Fi, TVs, drones. They're all there, and if you want to be part of the show, jump on the phone, one 800 or go to the website, eftm.com.au, uh, or you can jump on Twitter, at Trevor Long, and also at Your Tech Life. Now... Uh, we're going to talk uh, cleaning, we're going to talk drones, we're going to talk a bunch of things, but cleaning's the first one I want to talk about. Um, I got I got delivered toilet paper by courier. That seemed a little excessive to me, but so be it. That's how it was. But it was to promote a new app. They also sent me a little bottle of, which I'm assuming is water. Actually, I should check. Oh, no, it's uh, something else. It smells. I nearly, oh, my Lord, what is that? Eau de home, it says. Oh, it's not good. That'll go in the bin. Um, a cleaning stuff, basically, <clears throat> because and a new app has launched. Now, I must say, I I take as read um, the the things I get sent as being factual, and I guess I didn't read deeply into where, when it launched or or uh, officially went on on the app store. I was talking about this app called Wiz W H I double Z, and I was talking about it on Two UE today, or with the producers at Two UE of the show I'm on, and they were going, "Oh, we've interviewed them several times, March, April." Uh, so it's not new, but it's the first time I've heard of it. So it may be the first time you've heard of it. Um, it's essentially a cleaning service called Wiz. And they are looking for cleaners. They they vet the cleaners. They, they check the cleaners are good at their job. And they put them in a database. And you, as an individual user, can download Wiz, the app, and request a cleaner. So in a similar way that, you know, Uber allows you to, to request a car or OneFlare allows you to request a plumber or a builder, uh, Wiz allows you to request a cleaner and it's all fixed price. So you can say, I've got a two bedroom, one bathroom and I want the oven done and the app will tell you how much it is. You can say when you want it and the the wizards will whiz around your house. Um, a very cool idea. And one of the other things is if you don't use a cleaner regularly, if you just have a massive party, well, you can get a wizard. I can't believe I'm saying it. You can use the Wiz app to uh, get someone in to clean the house for you. So I actually think it's a cracking good idea, a bit of fun. Um, I'd love to know whether anyone's used it or is thinking about using it. And also I'd love to hear whether, um, whether 
anyone is in the cleaning game and whether this becomes um, uh, another outlet for you to get work. Now, I was explaining this today. It's not really just about uh, you know the, the customers. It's about the people that are in the cleaning game allowing themselves to be um, to get extra work. So let's say you're a casual cleaner who just you know gets work through word of mouth or you know flyers or or advertising whatever. You know there are days where you might not have back to back jobs. So why not put yourself out there to be part of the Wiz Network and be a cleaner? Um, they say it's five star hotel quality service. Um, it's a fixed price. It does seem a tad expensive, but I think that's because you know you're getting quality. So it's not your um, local cash job. It's a proper business. So uh, it has to compete that way. It's very interesting. But look, a bit of fun, uh, an app that can clean your house or at least book someone to do so. Um, I'd love to know what you think. Uh, Wiz is what it's called. W-H-I-Z-Z. More info on that at eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Anytime you want to get in touch, just go to the website, eftm.com.au, which Jason did. G'day, Jace. G'day, Trev. How are you going, mate? Good, buddy. How can I help you? Oh, I know you're a bit of a drone fanatic and you love your drones. A bit. Um, <laughs> it's become, <laughs> ob- it's become an obsession. In fact, Jason, I'm going to launch a new website just about drones. That's how much obsessed I am with it. Fantastic. Well, anyway, what's your question, buddy? Well, this one, what's a good drone to get someone who's um, obviously never flown a drone before, I understand mm. that it can be a little bit difficult at times, And um, but basically want like a decent camera on the thing, decent range, so probably say not a cheap drone, but not an expensive drone, somewhere in between. Mm. What would be a- Big question though is what, what, what do you mean by cheap and expensive? Oh, I know, that's right. I know some of the professional drones are in the thousands of dollars, but I just want to know what's, what would be a good starting point yeah. for a good drone. The problem I've found, and I will continue to investigate over the days and months and, and years because it's going to be a problem for us in the drone space. It's, um, it's a big gap between the bottom end and the top end. And so and I've, I'm just compiling a list right now because we're going to hopefully do a profile on the Today Show, but... You know, there's there's a couple of hundred dollars for a drone, and they're they're great fun. And you know what? They do teach you the basic principles. And look, don't if there's a pilot listening, please don't don't hate me. I'm just talking the basic principles of drone flight. But you know, I'm not going to use your and pitch. I'm just talking going up, going down, going forward, going back, and spinning the drone around, which is basically how I fly. I go. I want to go up. I want to go down. I want the thing to move to the left. I want the thing to move to the right. I want the thing to move forward, back. And then I want to spin it around so it's looking in a different direction. That's the for me. That's the core to learning how to fly a drone. But and you can do that with the the little two hundred dollar Parrot Mini drone, for example. You could sit in your lounge room and use your iPad or iPhone to learn those basic controls. Okay, but the yeah. video that you get on those is is poor quality. It's you know it's not stabilized because it's shaking wherever the drone shakes. Um, if you go up to say a Parrot. Um, Bebop, which probably is, I would think, your lowest entry outdoor drone. Um, you're looking at six, seven hundred dollars. It's got a camera on the front, which does stabilize in in, in a relative way. Um, it will fly to you know fifty meters or so with with no great de- problem. How far away it will fly is restricted purely by the Wi-Fi range. So you're really not going to get further than fifty odd meters away from yourself, maybe a hundred. Um, and in high wind, it will just be beaten around and, and it'll throw throw against a tree and you'll lose it. So 
that's my problem with people that are going to buy those ones is it's not going to do the kind of video that you, you might see me doing. It's not going to do the range that, that I'm able to get with the DJI Phantoms. And, that's the ones I was looking at. And it's a huge gap, yeah, between getting yeah. a getting a Parrot Bebop and a DJI Phantom because a Phantom 3 uh, Advanced is, with video and all that kind of built into it, is $1,500 or so. Um, but here's the beautiful thing. I think the aftermarket for drones is going to be excellent, and, and I think it's a great place to start. Um, I, I worry a little bit about the second-hand market because, obviously, I sold my first drone, the Phantom 2, uh, on eBay, and I feel very comfortable about my sale. Um, you know, I offered training to the person. Um, you know, I've no issues with that, but sometimes, you know, you, you don't know where it's been flown. You don't know how it's been crashed, or you don't even know if it's going to fly. So I think secondhand is a risk, but you could easily get a drone today for six or seven hundred dollars secondhand to be your first drone. Yeah. Now, also, do you need um, some sort of a license from um, CASA or something like that? I'm just doing a little bit of looking around. And what I sort of stuff are you looking saying, to do with it? Oh, look, I wouldn't mind taking on some sort of aerial photographs, you know, of, of a building site or something like that. Mm. So there will be some restrictions towards that. There are restrictions, and they are very simple to, to understand, in my view. Um, as, a, as a private individual, you can't fly more than 120 metres in the air in a, in a kind of metro area. You can't fly within five kilometres of airports. You can't fly over populated areas, buildings, uh, homes. You can't fly over busy parks or, or where there's sporting events on. Um, you can't fly within 30 metres of, of buildings and, and cars. Um, you know, they're, they're your kind of core principles. And the critical one yeah. is you, you can't use it for commercial purposes. So if you're flying it over a building site to, to do an analysis and, and charge a fee for that, then you're in, in breach. You'd need a license. But Righto. they're going to change that. They're going to change that probably by, certainly by this time next year, and I would think probably early 2016, you will find that the rules are as long as you've got one under two kilos, which is pretty much all the, the ones I've spoken about, including the DJI, and, and as long as you follow those rules, you will be able to, you know, take aerial photos and do all those kind of things. So you'll probably, you'll probably end up being able to use it to fly over a worksite because you can fly over a building, for example, if, you're, if it's your building. And I, what I use the principle of, if I'm at a park, I ask the people around, do they mind if I land there? So I'm kind of getting their consent. And so, there's a, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a grey area, but, you know, fly smart, do the right thing, you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, I've got a further thought there anyhow. So yeah. well, I was I, said, I was looking at those um, phantoms anyhow. They're the sort of ones I think it might have been good. Definitely. Um, they are. They are. That they've got GPS. They'll come home if their battery's flat. They'll if if they fly to them too far out of range, it'll just come home. You know, there's a bunch of very very good safety features on those, and I imagine in two years from now they'll they'll be able to you know detect things around them and all that kind of stuff. So now's the time to get into it. I think. Uh, yeah. And, you know, even if you have to go secondhand, uh, if you can find a, a dealer selling secondhand, I think that would be the best bet. Yeah. All right. No worries. Thanks for your time. Good luck, mate. Thanks for getting in touch yes, and you. happy flying if you end up getting one, mate. I look forward to seeing your website. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say.
Now, I thought I'd quickly look uh, through the email pile, uh, people that um, ask questions but I couldn't get them on the show or they're really simple to answer. Um, and, yes, I don't normally read emails because th- th- I prefer to have you on the show. But just a couple that I haven't been able to get to, and, and the board is full, so I'm not going to get to them this week. Yusuf from uh, Auburn in Sydney asked, uh, just wondering what the implications are with PayPal separating from eBay. Maybe you could explain this in uh, to your listeners in your podcast. Keep up the good work. Avid listener, Yusuf. Thank you, mate. Um, I think the implications here, and so basically, eBay owns PayPal, and PayPal is listing on the stock exchange as a separate entity, separate company. Uh, let me explain what I think of the implications. Uh, a bunch more people are going to get rich. <laughs> you know, it's it's not about, you know, eBay doesn't like PayPal anymore. It's about eBay going, wow, we could we could make it its own company and make a bucket load of cash by essentially selling it publicly, um, you know, off you go. I don't think that there's any reason why eBay would stop making PayPal a, a huge feature of its website in terms of payments, and I don't see any reason why PayPal would change it all other than to grow and expand and become a, a bigger financial powerhouse. So bottom line, Yusuf, a bunch of people that are not you and me are going to get stinking rich, or more stinking rich really, because they're all probably rich already, uh, and it won't have any impact on you or I. Um, another one here was a Twitter question uh, on Twitter. This is um, Harsh, Harsh Cancerian uh, is the Twitter handle. Um, his name is Harsh, and he's from uh, Dingley Village. Uh, love your show, is what he says. I work in the IT industry and am very interested in the Internet of Things technology. Um, that's interesting, actually. I'm, um, and, you know, he's suggesting that I talk about it on the show. Well, I mean, I've done that once or twice. In fact, I was thinking, I wonder whether I probably didn't go into that much detail um, in my show notes. Uh wonder whether I can find out how far back I talked about it for the first time. Uh, Internet of Everything it was called once, but uh, no, I can't quite see it there. But um, I did, I mean, I've talked about it years ago, years ago. Oh, no, here we go. The Internet of Everything. Episode 175, January 2013. So I'm ahead of the game there, my friend, ahead of the game. I talked to the people from Cisco about the Internet of Everything, which is now known as the Internet of Things, IoT. Um, so, yes, I, I, I will continue to talk about it. Um, you know, you've got great – I mean, Internet of Things is everywhere now. I mean, my my front door is part of the Internet of Everything. My uh, net cams, you know, the Netgear Arlo's, the – I mean, my, my light switches. So there's a lot out there. So there is a huge potential in this space. And uh, I'll be sure to try and think about uh, more ways to talk about it uh, coming up very soon. Um, so uh, thank you for your email and your tweet. And you can tweet me at Trevor Long. Uh, Clive, just listening to one of your recent podcasts, you talked about find it t- hard about times when you find it hard to get the show done. Although I must say this never shows, it's, which is a great testament to you. I guess it's too easy for podcast listeners like myself to take for granted the hard work done by show creators. Thank you, Clive. I appreciate you hearing that and understanding what I was getting at. Um, yeah, it's just just one of those things I was thinking. I think it was coming up to the 500 shows or something. I was kind of getting a bit retrospective and emotional. And, you know, I still am. I, I still, you know, love sitting here chatting to myself every week. Um but it makes a massive difference when there's just a full board of calls here to talk to. There's a bunch of emails. You know, I go through quiet times. And you're like, But anyway, um, Clive also says I've been listening to your shows for maybe four or five years. A highlight of the schedule. I listen to many others, including WTF from uh, uh, Mark Marin. 
uh, when, and I recommended it when Robin Williams passed away and uh, he had recently had Obama on. That was a good one too. After eight years of living in New Zealand, I've now moved to Brisbane. Good on you, mate. So more relevant than ever before. Well, I hope so. Uh, keep up the show, the enthusiasm, the energy, the fun, the knowledge shine through the podcast. Thank you, mate. An interesting one here, though, from Clive. Um, my favorite iOS tip is to turn on speak screen in general accessibility and speech. And then with a two-finger swipe down in apps like Pocket, it will read out whole articles. Well, that's very cool. So it's an accessibility feature for the um, uh, visually impaired. But you could utilise it to have it read what's on your screen. Good stuff, Clive. Good work. Thank you, mate. Um, to Ian and Maria, I shall try and get a hold of you next week on the show. Um, but until then, let's just uh, you know keep cracking on with the... Uh, with the world of technology here on Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Which we do thanks to the good people at Garmin, garmin.com.au. Geez, I just saw, I was just about to go uh, on to look at the Garmin NuviCam and a product just showed up on the American site. So I should be clear, it may not be available here, but it was basically a reversing sensor for a bike. I mean, wow, that's very cool. But anyway, um, there's some great products coming out from from Garmin. They've got the fashion signature series for the Garmin um, Vivo Fit uh, products for the uh, fitness trackers. They're they're making them bling as anything. But the NuviCam, LMT, the uh, Garmin NuviCam, $4.99. Uh, it's a recommended retail price. You'll find them at all good retailers. This is a all-in-one six-inch premium navigator with built-in dash cam and driver awareness features. There's detailed maps of Australia and New Zealand, integrated dash cam, continuously recording uh, your drive and automatically saves files on impacts. Forward collision warning alerts you if there's two cars too close ahead or lane departure alerts alert you if you're drifting off the road or into in- oncoming traffic. And Garmin Real Vision displays a camera view when approaching selected intersections and destinations. Um, that took me by surprise. I was uh, traveling down to someone's house in Maruba and it switched to a camera with a kind of arrow on it. It was very weird, very cool. But also it has those, um, um, I've talked about them plenty of times before and I haven't actually used them much, but it has uh, the real guidance. Um, so I was driving somewhere in, in, again, down at Maruba when I was navigating to this person's house and it said, turn right at the KFC. It didn't tell me a street or in the, it was very cool. So I was able to look for the KFC and know that was where to turn right. So the Garmin NuviCam, top and great value, great product at everything all in one. Uh, dash cam and sat nav, everything you need. The Garmin NuviCam from Garmin. Check it out at garmin.com.au. You can get in touch anytime you like. Call 1-800-157-157 or go to the website EFTM. Dot com dot au. G'day, Francis. Hi. What can I do for um, you? Uh, sorry, I just wanted to, first of all, thank you very much for your program. Oh, good on you, Francis. Thank you so much. And what can I do okay. for you? All right. Now, um, the first thing is um, I, I, I'm looking at buying a new router. Mm-hmm. A new router modem was what I was originally looking for. Yep. Um, because we've got a two-story house with concrete. I can, the current router modem does work, but it drops in and out. Right. So um, The Wi-Fi signal drops in and out? Yes, that's right, right. in particular spots. Yep. 
Okay, so um, the uh, AC3200, the Nighthawk, mm-hmm. uh, Nighthawk X6, that's right, yes. was recommended. But then I didn't realise that it, uh, it was only the router part and I still had to keep my modem. Oh. And, and it's more an aesthetic thing. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> what sort of internet so do you I'm, have? Have you got ADSL, cable? What's, how does your internet get into yep, the house? Yeah, ADSL2. Okay. Um, and uh, the modem, uh, the modem that I modem router that I've got at the moment is actually it's quite large. It's a Sagecom. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so, uh, so your biggest problem you you were recommended the Nighthawk <laughs> X6 not by me obviously, but someone else, and I I can support their recommendation entirely. Um, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was at Harvey Norman. Yeah, good one. Um, so you know, Netgear are a sponsor of Two Blokes Talking Tech, but uh, I do have a Netgear Nighthawk myself here on the desk. It's beautiful, and there are several other products. D Link, uh, Belkin, uh, sorry, Linksys have different products that are very similar in their performance and, and style. But let me tell you the good news. Your your biggest problem was you didn't want a modem and a router as two separate boxes, right? That's right. <laughs> well, you need to go. To back to the store, and you need to tell them, listen, uh, little Johnny, you didn't recommend the right product for me. What you want is the Netgear D7000 Nighthawk. Okay? Oh, okay. Now, the yep. D7000 okay. is a modem router. Great. Okay. So around the um, back, yeah. you, you, can, you can see the, uh, you know, the plug for, the, for your phone line. Uh, it's ADSL and VDSL, which is the kind of one of the other you know potential MBN technologies. But bottom line, it is a modem router, which will give you the performance of the Nighthawk in terms of Wi-Fi networks and routing, and it'll uh, it'll do your uh, your internet connection. Now, who's your internet with? Uh, it's with Optus. Okay, because one of the kickers to to replacing the modem, one of the reasons I always keep the modem in place and just put a router in for people is because. It's actually a pain in the bum to configure the modem to work with your internet connection. So you want to do some research before you pull the plug on the on the current one. Do some research on right. the Optus website and maybe talk to Optus and ask them what settings do you need to put into a a any generic but but if you can give them the model uh, router to mm-hmm. to ensure that you can get connected to the internet. Um, and then when you go through the the wizard setup process you should be fine to get yourself nicely connected to the internet with the Nighthawk D, sorry, Netgear D7000 Nighthawk. And I can tell you, I just went to the Netgear website. It's uh, it's $428 at Harvey Norman. It's $399 mm-hmm. at JB Hi-Fi. Um, <laughs> but the, the Netgear website's great because it actually gives you links to all of the kind of retailers. Uh, it's $398 yes. at Bing Lee. It just gets better. Um so, yeah. yeah, if you shop around, you'll find uh, the right price, um, and that will cover everything you need. Okay. Now, you frightened me a little bit with having to configure it. Well, look, <laughs> I, I, it's, that, it's yeah, important. You that need, was one you of need the to know that. I didn't want two items because I thought, um, you know, I, I've got to look after the modem. Well, it is configured, the, hmm. the current one, but then having to look after something else in case something goes wrong. Look, the, <laughs> let's, let's call it an hour of research. Let's call it yeah. half an hour on the phone to Optus to learn and, and write down what you need. Let's call it half an hour on their website trying to find the settings. Um, two hours of, of extra effort, and then it's part of the setup process of the of the device, no matter what you do, and um, you are good to go. And you're like in f- five years from now, that two hours is nothing. Do you know what I mean? So. 
Don't let I the do. daunting yeah. task of configuration put you off, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And and the more often you do it, the better you get at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And look, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say to you, definitely spend some time on the Netgear website because I've just clicked on a couple of links to online retailers as opposed to you know bricks and mortars, and uh, you'll yeah. find it even cheaper again um, by some remarkable amount. So I'm talking mid three hundreds now instead of the four hundred and twenty at Harvey Norman, for example. So um, okay, well worth checking out. Okay, well, that's really good because it would have taken me a while with a salesman to get somewhere like that. Um, so that's great. Do the, uh, just make sure you are getting the right product because I've just clicked on a couple of links and one of them was the R7000, which is not a modem router. So just make sure you're getting the, the D7000. And I guess the way mm-hmm. to tell that you're getting the right product will probably be um, having a look at the back of it. And the back of it will probably have a very clear phone line, you know, uh, plug. You know, that's the big difference. Mm-hmm. All right? Right. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. Good on you and good luck. Um, thank you. Thanks for getting in touch. And uh, you can get in touch as well, just like Francis. Uh, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Let's keep cracking along with calls. G'day, Rob. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Trevor, I've been lucky. I've been on the wireless um, 3G network now for some time, and I recently um, got the NBN installed. The NBN? Uh, hang on. Now, I, your, your, your location is, appeals to me because you're out uh, in the Riverina. You're in Yenda. How have you got the NBN out there? Wireless NBN, is it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's wireless. It's fixed wireless, and it flies. It really does. I'm getting up to 42, 45 megabits per second. Now, that for me is really quick because I've been... Oh, what would you have get, been getting before? What would you, did you ever have ADSL or only ever have 3G? No, no, I had um, 3G and a 4G. I had two routers. Right. And um, because the 15 gigabyte limit was just wasn't enough, the kids were just using that up as well as myself. So now I'm a very happy man. Everybody's wow. happy. Beautiful. Yep. So, what's uh, now, what's your question? All right, my question is to you. First of all, um, I've been lucky in that I've I've run a Cat Five cable mm. under the ground in conduit to a workshop, and yep. I recently uh, just put an RJ forty five on each end of it, plug yep. my laptop in, and <laughs> bingo, it works. Bingo. <laughs> yep. Normally, I think those kind of distances is not um, is not achievable. No, oh, look, um, you know, a hundred meters is is a pretty pretty good length for a Cat Five, but you know, a quality cable. Uh, I mean, what speed are you getting out there, two hundred meters away? Same, forty two, forty five. So there's no degradation to the uh, to the quality of the of the speed. No, and it's actually Cat Five E cable, which apparently it's it's a little bit better. They tell me. Well, mate, all I can say to you is if we'd had the suggestion beforehand, I would have said you're, you're, you're more than pushing the limits. But, yeah. you know, it, it's all about the installation, right? If it's, you know, twist, twisting and turning and curving around stuff, then, you know, it's not as good as straight. So, mate, you've nailed it, bottom line. That's fantastic. All right, so my question to you, Trevor, is what sort of router do I put in the, um, in the, um, in the shed? In, in the, the man cave. Workshop? You see, hang on, let's just go back a step. You've got the NBN installed in the house. You've run a 200-metre-plus cable to the man cave. 
and and you're going to put That's a router right. out there. You and you're in you're in the Riverina on the NBN. Yeah. I mean, you're basically doing better than I'm doing in the bloody Metro Sydney. This is an outrage. Anyway, um, look, how big's the shed? Um, how many cars would you fit in the shed? Give me that. 18 by 20 metres, something like that. It's a big shed. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, look, any any router's going to do the trick because that's not it's – a, it's a single kind of open room, and even if there's barriers in between, it's not brick, and, you know, you're not going to have yeah. interference issues. Um, so any router would do the trick. Uh, I wouldn't stress too much about it. I would just be looking at getting whatever solid AC quality because you want to put in the latest technology, so put in an AC yeah. router. But you don't really need to go to the lengths of having a like a Nighthawk with three networks and all that kind of stuff. You really just need a single or dual band router. Um, yeah, I, I would get one of the early kind of AC dual band routers, and, and I think you'd be very happy. Okay. And at the house, then, can, can I put in one of these Nighthawks now? Can I get a Nighthawk that's a swap out, you know, for the um, for the modem as well? Or because there's a lot of devices. <laughs> Mate, it's it's quite funny that you say that. I literally just spoke to another caller who said the exact same thing. I don't want to have two boxes. Now, the only thing is, um, let me understand how the modem works because I'm, I've never used fixed wireless NBN. I'll have to come out for a drive, mate. I'll bring the kids out on a road trip and we'll have a look. But um, the the thing with with most of the combo units, and I was just talking about Netgear's got a uh, uh, a modem router, okay, and it, it's it's a VDSL or ADSL modem router. So it's not going to work on, on the NBN fixed wireless. What is the infrastructure for the fixed wireless connection, how what what is physically there? What's installed? Well, good question. There's a box on the wall. Yeah. Um, and then from there, there's just an Ethernet cable that runs to the Telstra modem router. And and in that router. Telstra modem router, is that where the SIM card is for the NBN or? Well, you know what? I don't even know if there is a SIM card. All I know is that the NBN put in a box. And it's on the wall, and then from there you plug your routers into it. I, router, I, 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 I wouldn't mind betting, and and the place to look is probably the Whirlpool forums. But I wouldn't mind betting that that box, that Telstra box, is just a router. It's just a Wi-Fi router. I think so. I think you're right. It's not a modem at all. No. So basically, in that box on the wall is the modem, and that's Maybe. that's the bulk of yeah. the the kind of NBN work, and then it's just an Ethernet cable. Running to so okay on the back of the the Telstra box, <clears throat> how many? What are, what are the ports on the back of that Telstra uh, modem router that you that you've got? So there's four ports, four Ethernet ports, and then is there one other yeah. one that that says Ethernet, uh, Internet? Yeah. That's correct. And well, mate, yeah. it's just a router. I, I'm almost certain. It's a, do you know what you do? Um, I would buy. I would go to the shops and buy the basic uh, Netgear router for the shed, right? plug it in the house, right, and just see if it works because it's not a modem router, right? So plug it in the house. If that works, then go and buy the, the bigger end, the higher end Nighthawk and put that in the house and put the other one in the shed. Yeah, it seems like a pain. The only thing I've noticed, though, is that I've plugged also my phone line into this um, Telstra router. Oh, now, hang on, that's a good point. Now are going through there, which is also <clears> posing <throat> another problem. I'm sure other people have got the same issue. Is originally when I went to the NBN, they told me that I'd be able to put um, the phone line through and that the alarm system would go through yep. as well. But you need a battery backup. But then it 
in the end, when they came out to install, they said that's not the case. You cannot have an alarm. And I don't, I don't see why. You know, the back to base type alarm thing yeah. that dials in. I don't see why. Because it it's VoIP. Work. Because it's voice over the internet. It's not really a proper phone line. Um, uh, look, that's the only. So in the back of that modem is your phone line plugged into that Telstra modem as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My gut feeling is it's it's more than just a router. It's a, it's a little bit of a magic box so that it can do the the telephony. Oh, it's it's literally not an area of expertise of mine. Happy to admit that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I might send your call to the NBN and ask them what the situation is because. See, you shouldn't. You're not tied to to anyone or anything. You're obviously getting your, your service through Telstra. You don't have to use their router, but I'm guessing that router has some technology in it that does the phone, the telephony, the internet, and everything. Um, so you might have to go with two boxes. But let's ask the question of the NBN and find out, okay? Yeah, because the phone line is not going to be in them. It's be much cheaper for me. I'm, you know, I don't don't really need it if it works now. I've just plugged in a couple of days ago a UPS to keep everything alive to see what would happen. Mm. And I'm getting a good 45 minutes to run the NBN, the router, and the telephone. Mm. Um, so for 45 minutes, I mean, the alarm's going to definitely um, skew the system. It's definitely going to dial out. I'm just not sure if it's the right thing, but that tell me it doesn't work. But anyway. Yeah. Look, I, I think I think it's worth asking the question just for my edification, let alone anything yeah, else. So let me yeah. ask the question. Well, yeah. Let's go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I'll ask the question of the NBN. Just pull the phone away from your, your mug a bit. It's kind of distorting and muffling on me. Um, was there one oh, other question, did you say? There's one more question I'd like to ask you, yeah. totally unrelated to NBN. Hmm. I want to be able to put a camera um, that talks directly to an, to an iPad. Is that possible without a router, without actually having to buy a router um, to do the um, to do the um, network for it, for the camera? How far away has the camera got to be? It's 20 metres, and where I want to use it is actually in the field. I want a, a camera that's got a, you know, that's watertight and and use it in um, machinery, in harvesters and things. I want to be able to put those cameras in around harvesters and just have an iPad that will receive the... the um, the footage. So you basically have the iPad in the cabin, and you've got ca- cameras on like the the four corners kind of thing, or on on the roof, whatever. Correct. Um, yep. For extra view. Um, hmm. Great question. I can only think of ones that have that utilise a Wi-Fi network uh, as yeah. the kind of as the way of communicating with each other. Um, yeah. Let, leave that one as a question without notice. Uh, obviously, if anyone's listening, can think of something well worth getting in touch. Most of the, you know what I'd be researching? Baby monitors. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's the kind of technology that you want. And they're getting to that stage where they're just brilliant like that. But most of them connect to a Wi-Fi network uh, and then have an iPad app. Um, yeah. But the other issue you've got is power. Like yeah. powering the camera on the on the harvester. Yeah. Because most of them are going to yeah, want to no. plug into the wall. Yeah, no, I certainly don't mind going through a set of batteries, you know, every day to be able to run a camera, to have that versatility where there's no wires involved. But that's a good idea about the baby monitors. I thought about reversing cameras. Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, reversing cameras. Most of those would be hardwired, though, to a, um, you know, to an, uh, a video input rather than to an yeah. iPad. Yeah. Don't know, tough yeah. one. Yeah. Check out the baby monitor, see whether you come, come up with anything, I mate. Will. I'll Google it. Thank you. Now that I've got all this speed, it won't take me very long. Oh, you're killing me. All right, Rob, good on you, mate. Thank you. Thank you, Trevor. Always good to, to um, 
Pleasure your, your podcast. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. And if you want to get in touch, no matter where you are, I, even though I'm envious of people with the NBN, um, uh, you can still get in touch. Uh, go to the website, eftm.com.au. And you're listening to Your Tech Life. Get in touch anytime you like. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Cheryl. Hi, Trevor. What can I do for you? This TV of mine that mm. up until about six weeks ago was fine. Mm-hmm. And then one night in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, I live on my own. I heard these voices. And I saw a light in my lounge area and I came out and the TV was on. Sounds and like the so story from a like a... A horror movie or, you know, some sort of haunting, doesn't it? Well, I thought, oh, God, someone's in the house and I don't even know they're here. Uh, And no, it turned out to be the TV. And so it's been going on all this time, but only at night. So hang on. So at night time, the thing just randomly turns itself on? Exactly. Almost without fail every night? Every night. And you're home a lot during the day, so you don't notice... I am home a lot during the day. And you're not noticing it happening at all during the day either? No. Okay. Now... It finishes about 8 o'clock in the morning. So it turns itself off again. Hmm. Turns itself off again? Yes, it turns itself off and then it turns itself back on. And so it goes on all night. What brand of... So on and off all night or just every night it turns on and then the morning it turns off? No, no, no. It turns itself on and off. Wow, what brand of TV in it is it? Uh, Sonic. Sonic. That's yeah. Ah, that's yes. And how TV long have you had it? Oh, I guess four years. Oh, that's a pain, isn't it? Oh, it's just, mm. So you're not going to get any help, are you? Um, no. Wow. And uh, I did Google it, and um, they're referred to Samsung TVs as having this problem, but uh, mine's on a Samsung. And sometimes... You'll understand this. I'm, I'm not very tech savvy. Yeah. I have to use two remotes, right? So the first remote, when I turn the TV on, has no signal all over the screen. Mm-hmm. Then I have to pick the other remote up, which is the Panasonic, and that is the um, oh, the hard drive that I record yeah. on. Sure. Now, <laughs> when it does turn itself on at night, sometimes I just get the no signal, and sometimes I get the picture. Right. Well, I don't. I'm in bed. This is happening. So, now, look, I have absolutely no idea why it's doing it. Here's what we'll do, though. I'm going to say to you that given that it's um, kind of a glitch, um, not not a kind of a wear and tear fault, I think even though Australian consumer law probably came into place after uh, you bought that TV, I think it's most likely a question of statutory warranty. Um... I think the television should still perform as it originally did. Uh, I if, took if, out an extended warranty when I bought it. Oh, gosh. Um, oh. That, well, I know. They're just they're a waste of time. Oh I, oh, I thought you'd say that. Yep. No, I just feel for you because you shouldn't have. Yeah, right. Just um, I'll make the point again, not just for you, but for everyone listening. Extended warranties are not required because when you buy something today, certainly it doesn't. Re- it it still applies back back when you did, but certainly today, when you buy something, you're covered under Australian consumer law. And what that law broadly says is that the, the, the device should perform as it's expected to for, you know, a, a fair period of time. So in three or four years, a TV should still work um, right. unless you've been bashing it about. So, you know, you, you should have rights to, to go to the manufacturer and, and seek re- redress. Now, I 
I reckon it's a very interesting problem. I, I wonder whether it's a simple software upgrade. Um, and the, the thing I will do for you in the first case is I think I've definitely had contact from the people at Sonic before. Mm. I will get in touch with them and I'll put them in touch with you to say, what can you do? And they might, oh, okay. they might know about it and they might fix it for you straight away. Otherwise, if they don't fix it, you'll get back in touch with me yeah. and, uh, and you'll let me know that uh, you've had no help and, uh, and we'll see what else we can do to help you, okay? Do you think that it's a power surge sort of thing? Because it's, it's only happening at night when there's not it just doesn't, power being used. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. No, I know. If I'm honest. You know, what's interesting, I wonder, and this is just completely ridiculous, but mm. I wonder what would happen if you, um, if you went into the settings of the TV and changed the time, switch it by 12 hours. Please, Trevor. Right? Please, I wouldn't know how to do that. Oh, come on. Take some time. Do it tonight. You'll be fine. Press menu on the remote control and just buggerize around. Remote control for the TV or the remote control? For the television. Only for the. Do you know? So there's a couple of things I want you to try here before I go off to Sonic. Tonight, sorry, do you turn the Panasonic DVD or hard drive recorder off at night or do you just leave it on? No, I leave it on, I think. Okay, so tonight I want you to turn it off. But I don't know, I can't do it, because I won't be able to turn it back on tomorrow. Press power on the remote control. No, now, that, no. Oh. I turned the TV power off last week, mm-hmm. and I could, when I turned it back on the next day, it wouldn't come back on immediately. I had to wait about 10, 15 minutes for it to come back on. Well, how do you turn it off at night? Just with the remote off, off. No, that's what I'm saying. So tonight, I want you to press off on the on the remote control for the hard drive recorder. Yes. And on the TV. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So what might be happening is that the remote, the the DVD or hard drive recorder might be trying to wake it up or something. You never know. It might be sending a signal to wake it out of its sleep, right? So let's power off the hard drive recorder tonight and see whether see whether it turns on. If it still turns on, if it still turns on tomorrow. I want you to sit down with a cup of tea, and yeah. I want you to spend some time relaxing, but going through the menu. Press uh-huh. menu, and just look through for settings, look for setup, look for those kind of things, yes. and see if you can find the time, date and time, mm. and, and go in and use the arrows on the remote and change it from AM to PM. So, and then leave it for 24, 48 hours and see whether it starts turning on and off in the middle of the day. Right. Oh, okay, okay. And doesn't turn on at night. Right, because okay. then then we know it's a software bug. Okay. And while you're fiddling around in the settings, just if you notice anything about factory reset, okay, mm-hmm. remember where it is. And in a couple of days, if you haven't yes. solved the problem by changing the time or turning off the D- the hard drive recorder at night, I want you to do a factory reset on the TV. Okay. All right. So there's three yes. things to try tonight: turn off the hard drive recorder. Tomorrow and the ne- or and or the next day, change the time on the television. Yes. And if that doesn't work, do a factory reset on the television. Okay. All right? I will try. Good I luck. I certainly will try. Don't, be, don't the... be dismissive. Just do it. <laughs> I took the batteries out of the remote a That's couple of weeks not going to help. Thinking that, no, That's not still help. turned itself. No, it's not going to no, help. No, it didn't work. All right. I want to hear back okay. from you once you've tried those things, okay? Okay. Good <laughs> on you. Trevor. Thanks for getting in touch. <laughs> Bye. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website. Uh, EFTM.com.au. Trial and error, you see, people. We've just got to try things. Don't be dismissive. You can do it. I know you can. Don't tell yourself you can't do it. You tell yourself you can't do it, you definitely can't do it.
Questions, comments, problems, anything about technology, just get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Gavin. Yeah, hi, Trevor. Hey, mate. What can I do for you? Um, look, my wife is um, starting a small business from home, and um, she's looking at setting up a, a website. And I'm, the, I'm the IT assistant for this. Of course. So, yeah. so she's looking at setting up a, probably a website, registering a domain, um, Run, uh, setting up an email address and that sort of thing. And I remember a while ago you talked about registering a domain and then using Gmail. And oh, I just yes. wanted to get you to recover sort of how all that hangs together for us. Mate, it's uh, it's so easy. Um, G- search for Google Apps, okay? That's what it's called. Sounds silly these days, I think, and, and they should rename it. It was kind of before the app revolution, but Google Apps is what Google calls their kind of enterprise services for documents, storage, and high-end Gmail. Now, what you um, what you do is you basically register a Google Apps account, um, and it's a paid thing now. So um, it used to be free, but trust me, the, the investment is well worth it. Um, you're yep. talking, I think I spend um, hundred bucks a year, maybe hundred and twenty, um, uh, with unlimited storage. Right, ten dollars a month yep. is what it is. I'm looking at it now. Um, okay. You get admin controls, all that kind of stuff. And basically, you set up the account with Google Apps, and then when you're when you're in the in the process, it asks you what domain name you want, and it says, "Do you already own the domain?" I don't know if Google's selling domains in Australia yet, so you might want to buy the domain separately. Just go yep. to GoDaddy or Melbourne IT; doesn't matter at all. As long as you buy the domain and you've got the control of the domain, um, yep. then you, they they ask you for this kind of verification, so you verify the domain name. Uh, and all you do is you either update the DNS settings or you, you put a simple page up on the website and you put a bit of code in it um, yep. and you verify that you own the domain name. And from then on, yeah, when people email you, it's, you know, Jeff's wife at jeffswifecompany.com.au and they never know. They, they never yeah, have... Perfect. Uh, sorry? Oh, that sounds perfect. That sounds should, like, be, um, should be Gavin, though, of course. But, um, yeah, that's right. But, but um, the, the simple thing is that it's professional-looking. Like, I drive up the Pacific Highway in Sydney every day, and there's this, there's this place in Lynn... I think it's in Linford, No, Roseville, on the right-hand side as I'm driving home, and it's, I don't know, like an interior store, and they've got a big pond address on the window. Oh, yeah. It just frustrates me every day because it looks so unprofessional. And yeah. for the very simple fact that you know, you're going to set up a website for it, right? So, I don't know, go to WordPress, set up a website, um, put a simple simple page up, put a logo up. Um, you've done all these things. It's a it, it's a very small investment up front. You know, you're talking, you know, 150 bucks is going to get you a domain name. It's going to get you hosting for a couple of months. It's going to get you started on Google Apps. And you, you already look more professional than a bunch of other people because you've got your own website, simple one-pager. You've got professional email and no one ever knows the difference. And the great thing is you can have multiple domain names. So if you do register a .com and a .com today, you can put them all in the one account. I think I've got yeah. 15 or 16 domain names all running through my Gmail account. And essentially, if you put my the first part of my email address in at any of those domain names, it comes to me. It's just yeah, sure. so good. That sounds perfect. Um, sounds like a pretty simple solution, and as you say, without a lot of work, you can produce it. It looks pretty professional, which is just what we're after. Yeah, I mean, look, WordPress is the way to go for websites these days. There's just I just don't know why you do anything else. Um, the yeah. great thing is you can you can say to your wife, look, spend some time searching for WordPress themes, so she can go away and look for a theme that she really likes, and the theme yeah. 
Uh, never go for the free ones. Always spend 50 to 100 bucks on a theme because then you know you're getting quality, you're getting a bit of support too. But once you register a WordPress site and you put a theme on top of it, it automatically looks professional. Then you just update a few things like the name of the site, a logo or an image, and it looks like you've spent 10000 bucks on the, on the website. So, <laughs> Sounds great. Mate, so easy to do. Mate, so easy to all do. Right. Thanks. Thanks very much for all your help, Ken. All right, mate. And don't, don't forget also... With the, with the Google Apps account, you've, you've got storage, cloud storage set up there, so you know she can st- save files on that so you're not having local computer storage issues. You know She can share those, those cloud files with clients or friends or whoever they are. So there's a bunch of advantages to, the, to using the cloud for all those services. Very good. Thanks all very right, much, Gav. I'll, uh, I'll check back in with you when it's all set up, and I'll let you know how I went. Good on you, Gavin. Thanks, mate. Thanks for getting right, in touch. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. And uh, you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. You can get in touch anytime if you've got a question, a comment, a problem, or you just want to have a chat about anything technology, just get in touch. G'day, Jeff. G'day, Trevor. How's it going? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Oh, I've just got a, a um, consistent problem with uh, Wi-Fi, which seems to be a common problem with a lot of your listeners. Yeah, no, it is. Well, I think it's because yeah. we, we're using the internet so much more and for such robust things that it uh, it's showing up more. I think we always had the problem. <laughs> Well, maybe you're right, but um, hopefully you can help me with mine. Um, I've just my my kids have recently started doing lots of music streaming through uh, Spotify. Yeah, and I've also recently jumped onto it with um, iTunes through uh, iTunes Radio. Yep. So we're doing a lot of uh, streaming through the house using those services, and the problem seems to be that. Um, uh, through the Wi-Fi, we're not um, we're we're not getting consistent control right. um, through our devices streaming uh, streaming music. So, what? Um, let's talk about your, your your setup. What have you got? You've got a, a, a dual band or, or single band router. What have you got? Yeah, I've got um, I've got the one you recommended a couple of years ago. Actually, I've got the Nighthawk um, dual band yep. um, uh, router. Nice. And we've got uh, Telstra Big Pond. Um, as the uh, uh, ADSL. ADSL. And now, do you know what speed you're getting from Telstra, first and foremost? Um, yeah, I think it's about seven, seven megabits or whatever you call it. Wow. Oh. That's so slow, down, you realise. downloading and very about slow. Point seven up. Seven down, seven up? Point seven up, I think. Oh, my Lord. Wow. Whew. That's um, very slow. Are you in a rural, regional area? Uh, well, fringe of Melbourne, I wouldn't call it rural. Okay. But, um, yeah, that, that's what we we're at, the, we're at the end of the long street, so maybe that's yeah. all the copper can carry. And a long way from the exchange, I'm guessing. Well, I'd guess so. I don't really know yeah. where that is. So, I mean, that's that's your number one issue for a start. Um, you know, but a seven meg, if you were consistently getting a seven meg connection, that should that should handle uh, probably not multiple video streams, but certainly several audio streams. But I guess the bigger problem is how that internet degrades via your Wi-Fi network. Now, how far away, for example, is uh, the Apple TV from the router? Uh, well, that's a good... Oh, maybe 10, 15 metres. Okay, so it's not that far. So you shouldn't be seeing no. massive degradation. And when you're using the Apple TV, for example, uh, what, what would be the issues that you see? How does it manifest itself as a problem? 
Well, it's when when you're using um, uh, the iTunes, it's yep. you use the Apple Remote app. Right. So quite often when you're using that, it just stops it stops working. So you can't, um, you know, you press to change songs or whatever, and it just doesn't seem to work. So what about when you're doing, when you use just the Apple TV remote? I mean, I know it's crazy, but does that make a difference? Um, well, when we use it for movies, it's fine. It never, we never seem to have a problem. And Hang on, so, um, so, so using, the, oh, but with a movie, you don't really interact with it much using the remote app, would you? Well, that's, yeah, that's what I was thinking in, in the, you know, I go to the, I go to my, um, my PC, uh, and I've got the movie, I select play, and it goes to the Apple TV, and we watch it on the TV, it's fine. But with the music, because you're, you know, you're out and about, and you want to, you know, you want to control it and change songs and whatever, yeah. and it just seems to, you know, sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Well, I think, I mean, it, the problem is it's all about kind of diagnostics, right? I think the um, the issue, the number one thing you need to find out is whether or not it's the the use of both the, the phone for the remote app and the, the internet for the Apple TV at the same time that, that's causing the the kind of um, the clash. So, uh, so right, I, I'd be okay. interested to see whether whether if you didn't use the remote app and you only used the actual Apple TV remote and you had to run back to the room or whatever, but um, and you changed the the song and, and whatnot that way, whether or not you noticed a difference because that it, it seems really strange because you're you're not using the internet. You've got a, a full bandwidth network at home. There shouldn't be congestion between sending a, a remote signal from the phone to the, the Apple TV. That just doesn't sound legitimate to me at all. Um, um, there's not a lot. I mean, geez, bloody hard to diagnose. Obviously, you know, my life is all about trial and error, so I'd be interested to see what happens when, you know, all the kids are out, you know, on a Sunday yep. morning. Yep. And you, you're doing the um, the music streaming then, like minimise everything you can, you know, get everyone off their devices and and try and isolate the issue a bit more because really okay. everything you've got should work for those. Like the issue you talk about with the Apple TV remote app and your Apple TV streaming music is almost insanity. It just doesn't make sense that it would be a problem because even the slowest internet on earth, it should still work. Um, if the music's not stopping, it's it's the remote control that's not working. If if you get me, um, right. So I feel like you need to isolate which device in your home is causing the problem because that big thing that I learned about the the Wi-Fi networks from Patrick Lowe at Netgear was that I say regularly that that your Wi-Fi network is only as fast as the slowest device on it. So could it be that one of your devices is actually causing that a whole network to slow down? So power everything off. Right, power the Apple TV yep. on, get the phone on, and the Wi-Fi. That's it. See what happens, and then kind of one by one, turn things on, bring them back into the network, and, and just see whether you can isolate the the thing a little bit better. All right, I can give that a go. Is it possible that you know my phone is connected to the two point five G band, and mm. the the Apple TV is connected to the five G band? Does that make any difference? I'm controlling from one band through to the other. No, it shouldn't, because really the the communication between the Apple TV remote app and the Apple TV itself is really kind of a a local network connection. It, it sees everything as just another device on the network, so that shouldn't be a problem. More more likely, a problem is that the Apple TV network is being ridiculously slowed down by other devices on it. Yep. So you know, move everything to the to the two point five. Accept the most important devices and, and see if that also affects your quality of service. Yeah, okay. I'll give it a crack and let you know. I All right, mate. Good luck. 
Okay, all right. Hopefully that helps in some way. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time. That's the problem with uh, it. Yeah, it's oh, hard, yeah. hard to replicate too. Yeah. 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 All right, well, try those things and trial and error, mate. Trial and error is your friend. Okay, all right. Good on you. Thanks for getting in touch. Okay. Thanks, Trevor. Thank you. And you can get in touch as well. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Jump on Twitter, at Trevor Long or at Your Tech Life. Lovely to hear from you all the time. And uh, you are listening to Your Tech Life. Oof, I'm exhausted, are you? That's a, that's, a bit, that's a big show. I think I've made up for last week. What do you think? Um, I should mention, I did mention earlier, and I did hint to uh, caller Jason, I am launching a new site called Drone Away. Um, because I think we need to we need to focus on the drones a bit. Um, I love them; they're good fun. So, yeah, I'm going to launch that soon. I've got a logo uh, being designed right now on, a, on an online contest. If you follow me on Twitter uh, at Trevor Long, you'll um, you'll see links to that contest. I'd love your votes and thoughts on the logo. Um, that'll be probably Wednesday, Thursday this week. I'll put that out. But yeah, um, all happening uh, on that front. So, I look forward to you telling me what you think about that. If you want to follow the the Twitter account, at DroneAway, if you're into drones. Um, that'll be where you'll find a bunch of great news and info about drones, um, anything you like. So ah, get on board. It's all happening. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technologies. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. We'll be back next week on Your Tech Life. We'll play it again. Sing along. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say. Touch, say good day at Trevor Long on Twitter. Thanks for your company. Talk to you next week.